Welcome to the Learning and Development Podcast. I'm David James from Loop, and each week I chat with guests about what lights them up in the world of people development. This week, I'm speaking with Mike Bedford, who is Head of L&D and Wellbeing at the Independent Inquiry into Child Sexual Abuse. On top of having a key role at a vitally important organisation, Mike is a firm believer that L&D needs to change, and needs to change now. He's even calling for a revolution. But before we get started, if you're enjoying the podcast, please do give us a rating on your podcast app of choice so that others can find us, and thank you. Now, let's get into it. Mike, welcome to the Learning and Development Podcast. Thanks, David, and thanks for having me on the show. It's a real pleasure to be on. I'm a big fan of your show, and uh, I've uh, taken a lot from um, your podcast that you've been um, delivering lately, and uh, actually it's helped inform uh, a lot of my own practice and some of the things that I've been writing about. So uh, thanks very much. Wonderful. Thanks, Mike. Friends, comrades, brothers and sisters, there's a movement that's happening in L&D, and it feels to me like revolution is in the air. This is the opening of a recent article you published on LinkedIn called The L&D Revolution. What's this revolution, Mike? Okay, now thanks for asking me that. And uh, yeah, well, revolution, I mean, what is revolution? So um, revolution's about change, right? Mm -hmm. So for me, in terms of a revolution, I think what I'm trying to say is, yes, we need to change, but we also, as a profession, as an L&D profession, I think we need to come together and unite behind this common purpose. So hmm. for me, at the moment, um, it doesn't really feel like we, we've got that. And I think that requires a, a shift in, in all our thinking from beyond where we're at at the moment. So being order takers of, of learning to becoming true business partners in, hmm. in a strategic context and setting. And I think if we don't take that on board, I mean, let's not kid ourselves, you know, we do risk becoming obsolete. Um, hmm. And I think we, we also need to reframe how we actually speak to and talk to the business and, and what language we actually use. So we need to move away from talking in L&D speak and actually start talking the language of the business. And for me, these are some of the changes that we need to start making in order to kind of see that revolution take place. And to give some context, Mike, you're head of learning and development and well-being at the IICSA, which is yeah. uh, the independent inquiry into child sexual abuse. So you're in-house and you're clearly wanting to make a difference. So has this desire to revolutionise L&D always been present in you? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think firstly, just to clarify, I'm not going to be around at the inquiry for too much longer because that mm. um, period of time is coming to an end now. So I'm, 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 at, I'm looking for other, other opportunities now. But within the 18 months in the inquiry, because the inquiry was set up um, almost in a sort of startup fashion it's also given me a lot of autonomy to be quite experimental and to to try things out so i guess in terms of that opportunity that's been quite unique and it's given me chances to do things that i might not necessarily have been able to do in other organizations but yeah i mean i'm at the business end of lnd for sure so uh, you know absolutely i want to make a difference in there um do i make a difference um i'm trying to do so um but I think it does take time to change people's and organisational mindsets, not to mention within our own profession. Mm. Um, I think to actually be able to demonstrate the, the differences that you're making. Uh, so for me, I think I think differently by design 
as well. To, uh, I know we've spoken before about this, David, but you know, I'm, I'm dyslexic. I'm, I'm what's classed as neurodiverse. I've got various different neurodiverse mm. conditions. So I do think about things differently anyway. So actually seeing some of these things coming out and some of these changes that are happening it almost feels quite natural to me as well. But I, I do recognise that that doesn't always feel natural to other people, but it's helped me want to drive innovation and to change uh, and to think about how I practice, you know, myself and spark something in others as well, which led me mm. to sort of start writing my, my posts. Um, my background, just to be clear, is not just working in learning and development. Uh, as, you, as you said rightly, I also work in, in well-being as well. So my main staple bread and butter is learning and development, and, and that's, that's kind of where I am as a professional. But I also work and practice in well-being as well. I've had a very diverse career working across um, in government, across some of the big government departments, not just in HR. So it gives me a different perspective as well. Um, and I don't feel any emotional attachment to any of these things that have happened or been done in L&D in the past. I'll just be clear about mm. that. But I have seen learning and development both from inside and, and outside house as well. Um, and I've actually seen how you know we have adopted this classroom-based, slideshow-loving, sage-on-the-stage mentality over the years. And we need to eliminate this, this perception of, of this is what L&D is about. Mm. Um, you know, it's not. Uh, we know that, um, and but the only way that we can actually demonstrate that and prove our worth to the business is actually by demonstrating what what value we actually bring. Um, so, so that's kind of for, for, for me um, that that's that's where that desire comes from in terms of wanting to revolutionise L and D. Mm. And you, you've uh, you've made me think there that um, that our perception, or sorry, our our role as perceived by our clients uh, the the end users uh, can often be determined or or described as the activity and not the outcome so as a uh, an employee considering that that learning and development are oh, that's about training or that's about e-learning sure. it's the you know their their association can be and, and in my experience is, uh, is is generally shaped by the activity not necessarily because oh yeah that's the function that has really helped me in the past to to achieve yeah. more or achieve what i needed to or or get used to this new organizational role it's much more about the the outcomes and the, the sorry the activities and the products and it feels like school yeah you know mm. um and for me um putting my outside of lnd hat on learning and development for me has all, always felt like going back to school it's kind yeah. of felt like school days where someone's trying to teach me almost something that i might mm. not necessarily want to, to learn or that's going to have any relevance to me in terms of my, my job and how that's going to help improve my, my job uh, and of course then it's associated with uh, the medium and also a, a, an amount of time that uh, that that you kind of expect to be out of the office for half a day or a day maybe two you days all, or three you, you hear that's just what you hear all the time is i don't mm. have time for this and i get that I'll be honest with you, that's a shared frustration. I, I, I absolutely get, I, I used to kind of think, well, you know, you don't have time for you for learning and development. You know, how ridiculous mm. is that? You know, but <laughs> actually when you rewind and you reset your own thinking on that and you think, well, they've actually got a really good point because we're, it's the way that learning and development is framed. Uh, and actually, we're, you know, we need you to come away to, to learn something. But, mm. well, okay, so, you know, I'm really busy. I've got X amount of deadlines to me, X amount of papers to, to, to write and all, all the rest of it, clients to serve, you know. 
how you know what is the benefit of me actually coming away to actually spend some time with you away from my work a day away from my desk you know other than like a day a day out which i can't really afford i just yeah. don't have time for this i get that now i really do i get that now i kind of get why people say that it makes a lot of sense um and to to uh, probe just a little bit further there you, you know there's I think we all have those moments or those times or or perhaps more accurately there are a series of tipping points that lead us to think this way I always say that um, that I, I had the traditional path into and through learning and development via delivering classroom training design my own programs uh, yeah. you see the response so you know that it's good and so you so you build up curriculum Makes and all you feel of that good, stuff right yeah, totally. Yeah. The first 10 years was refining and honing my ability to deliver and facilitate to get more of that good, yeah. good response. And of course, it wasn't all selfish. Although it does feel great. It was, yeah. it was, you know, you, you're looking and thinking, I must be doing a good job. We, we think and then we're making you start... a difference, don't we? That's the thing. I think yeah, we, yeah. We, 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 we've thought that we're making the difference. And I don't think that it's necessarily something that we've done wrong. I just mm. think, now the, the the data tells us the evidence is there to actually show that actually you're not you know let's not mm. kid ourselves and the tipping point for me i think what you're saying is what was your epiphany yeah moment? Uh, for me my epiphany was just just actually realizing when that penny drops that actually what i think kevin touched on it as well is i'm not really making a difference to be honest yeah. it's kind of uh, yeah i get you know i get great response from people and i get bums on seats uh, from that response, yeah, I am making a difference, but actually, mm. is it making any difference to the the bigger picture stuff, to to performance drivers, to the business outputs or outcomes? Then no, let's not kid ourselves. You know, it hasn't. So yeah. it's it's kind of then, well, what do I need to do to actually start making that difference? And you're referring there to Kevin M Yates on a on a previous yeah. episode, and and Adam Harwood said the same as well. You're one moment you're at the front of the room. Uh, delivering and then you just have this moment of anxiety of wait a minute like yeah. is is this really making any difference and as soon yeah. as that that epiphany happens it's almost as if you know the lights turned on and you can't and you yeah. can't see you can't ignore things anymore you can't just blindly deliver and no. it's not just about sharpening your toolbox to become a better deliverer you're yeah. challenging the very medium that you believed in all of this time and you're looking at those faces back at you thinking you like this now but yeah. i'm not yeah. sure this is really really helping spot on and and you know that links into the revolution as well doesn't it and change mm. you know once you once you realize and you wake up and you, you smell that coffee then you realize that you've got to do something about it mm. and you talk you mentioned disruption in your post um what do you think will be disrupted and why now well i think we've got a bit of cycle haven't we first of all we've, we've talked about this and we've talked about kind of um that um embedded history of of what what lnd does and that, that cycle of, of order content delivery um mm. the disruption needs to come from us but you know let's face it um if it doesn't come from us and it doesn't come from us soon then it'll come from elsewhere yeah. you know there's no doubt about that i mean you, you only got to look outside haven't you into the outside world and see like you know you've talked about touching on other shows and you know, it, it, we all know this. We know how quickly disruption happens and how mm. uh, how it is happening. And I, I think I mentioned in my post about LinkedIn knows more about uh, you than your HR department does. Mm. You know that that data is is all right, is, is is there. You know, so 
it's only a matter of time till till some smart person thinks, yeah, I can change this. I you know, this I can I can actually fill this gap. There's a real gap mm-hmm. that I can fill. So, but at the moment, I don't think they've got the the capabilities to do it. Whereas we have, um, and, and that's a different thing. We've got the experience, we've got the skills, we've got the capabilities to actually disrupt within our own department. And I think we need to we need to actually stand up and say, yeah, we we need to own this. So I think mm. I think we need to disrupt the old status quo. Um, we need to kind of just let go of things that's been happening on the past. And, and I know you've talked about it with other guests on your podcast, and uh, you talked about it recently with, with Kevin M. Yates again about the importance of data in our practice mm-hmm. and not being afraid of it. I'll be honest with you, I was terrified of it. I was terrified of data, numbers, data, anything like that. Uh, and being neurodiverse, I have a different another condition called dyscalculia, which is all about fear of numbers and things, and not being mm. able to interpret numbers properly. So for me, when it was mentioned, um, even going back 18 months ago, that you know we were really going to need to get down with data and things. My first thought was, oh my god, numbers! I, I, I'm not going to be able to do this job anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it's not actually that as well. And listening to Kevin M. Yates really kind of brought that home about actually, don't think of it in that way. You know, and he he talked about he's not an analyst, he's not a statistician, he's not a data person. He's just kind of realised he's had his epiphany moment of. Yeah. Well, actually, this is where data can, you know, really bring bring the value and tell the story. And it's about telling the story with, with, with data, isn't it? And, and actually yeah. getting to know what, what data is available, getting to know your business, le- learning about kind of where the different sources are, be it, be it qualitative or quantitative, bringing all of that together and actually being able to tell a real evidence-based story mm. and actually being able to say whether it's actually worth doing something before you actually go out and do it as well. Whereas yeah. in, in, in the past, we've looked at like models like Patrick and all that kind of stuff. And actually, like, yeah, where we evaluate this program, you know, when it's done and talk about what return of investment there is, value for money for the business and all that kind of thing. Well, now we're actually starting to, to see that shift change. So actually, well, no, we've got all that data already. So we can actually make a decision after to even embark on this in the first place, mm. whether that's going to add any value as well. So, you know, that's that for me, there's that, that move towards towards data and, and, and not becoming afraid of that as well and using that as part of your practice. And, uh, mm. you know, and, 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 and I think people sort of sometimes think when, and I've heard this from, from people as well, and we'll probably pick up in our conversation that I'm some sort of like anti-training person. And, and mm. I, I'm not at all because, don't get me wrong, I, I go out and tread the boards like anyone else. And I, I love kind of um, delivering training. That's like the kind of like staple stuff. And it's, it's great. But again, it's it's now I've had that that moment where I realised that it's not just about that though. There's more to it, and as a profession, yeah. we need to actually realise that there's a, there's a bigger picture here, um, and we really, you know, the business is 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 actually starting to wake up to this as well. We really need to get switched onto this and actually, you know, show 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 our value and actually turn ourselves more towards the the performance consulting uh, approach. I have absolutely no doubt in that. And we need to get yeah. better at telling stories as well. And I tell myself in that too. I'm working on that. I'm changing my practice. I'm, I'm, I'm trying. I'm learning from yourself and from others, and, and kind of improving my own practice at the same time. But I think, for me, starting point in terms of disruption, it has to be break, breaking the old order, um, mm. and, and realizing that yeah, this change, this change is here, whether we as a collective want it or not. I know there's resistance from within our own profession as well but you know make, make no mistake that 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 is here and to get mm. credible and demonstrate to the business that that we are actually delivering real performance and capability shifts we, we have to change we, we really do there's no doubt about it and bums and seats and and happy sheets and all the rest of it whilst mm. whilst we all love doing those things that's just it's just not going to cut it any longer is it 
No, no. It's, uh, you know, those are vanity metrics. And I describe those as uh, the headlines that you would share with potential candidates before they come into your organization as a way of demonstrating that you invest in people. But as a way of actually uh, validating and checking that what you are investing in is the right stuff, it's just way, way, way off course. And I like the way you're describing there, the, the disruption. Uh, I agree with you, either we disrupt it ourselves or it will be disrupted from outside because rather than, because when you look at the way that we have um, kind of disrupted our practice over the last 20 or 30 years with different technologies, is ways of scaling our stuff, so our Mm. offerings. It's putting computers, uh, sorry, putting courses on computers, putting courses onto mobile, finding ways for sticking our stuff in your world. Whereas the disruption will come when we truly recognize what people really are trying to affect with whatever we do. And and it's almost like removing ourselves from the the equation for a moment to spend time on that because Spotify didn't, or music streaming didn't uh, disrupt the music industry by finding better ways for um, record companies or publishers to sell their albums, they literally connected people with music. It was it, it fundamentally changed because they realized that there was a new, more efficient and effective way of giving people what they really needed yeah. from the outset. And ours is all around helping people to be better and faster at the jobs yeah. at the times that they determine they need to be better. Yeah. It's not about us delivering content when we can or packaging educational resources together so they could be accessed at any time so that people can learn what we want them to learn. It's yeah. about their primary motivations for coming to work in the first place and wanting to progress in their careers. Yeah, you're spot on, David, and I agree there exactly with everything that you've said. And I think what we have done is we've, we've digitized the status quo, basically. Mm, that's that, right. That, that is how we've used digital technology. We've not, we've not um, innovated there at no. all. We've just used a medium to, to, to carry on what we've always done, but mm. in, in, in a different way of doing it. Does that make sense? We, yeah, and we've used science in order to back that up as well. That's why we yeah. always talk about learning. How do, how do we, um, uh, what, what's the learning theory say? What does, what does pedagogy say? What does andragogy say? You know, and then yeah. what we do is we back up what we want to do, our preferred methods of delivery with the science that uh, we cherry picked science, but who's talking about the science of how people are actually improving within their jobs, what the actual blockers are to, to peak performance, to, to engagement, to do and tapping into what people really do come to work for. It's almost as if we've become dictators in the, uh, in that approach rather than, um, democratizers of uh, of of the the stuff that's yeah. really going to make a difference. And I think that's quite a hard shift as well to make um, uh, internally for pro- perhaps a, a lot of people within our profession to to let go of some of that stuff um, mm. and to kind of to change and adapt and uh, uh, you know and and kind of change your own practice to this this new this new this new way of doing things yeah. um, because that's just how it's always been done, isn't it? Right. 
you know i love i love the way that we're um, we're infiltrating this conversation about revolution with old orders dictatorships and democracy <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we're changing the world mike mike one one conversation at a time but let's talk about you a bit more because yeah. yeah. um we've you've, you've alluded to this um yeah. and i think that the representing the listener here i'd love to know how your practice has evolved because you know there's the, there's yeah. the old adage like i think it is um uh, what do we want we want change yeah <laughs> who who do we want to change uh, yeah. them <laughs> it's, you know it's, this is about us yeah. oh god yeah change is not easy is it let's face mm. it um it, it can be awkward it can be difficult and it's not always well received is it either mm. um I, I think i can give you examples um of perhaps how how that's felt for me um yeah so it's okay for that penny to drop isn't it but then actually like you said to actually go out and actually make those changes mm. something entirely different um so for me um i think when i was sat in front of my my senior team um and, and they're just telling me to deliver 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 you know mm. um well we just need training just go on you just train and i think i've just I, I know i've just gone along blindly with that and done mm. that and taken those orders and, and then just sort of got to that point where I thought to myself when that pen is dropped, what, why am I doing this? Hang on a minute. You know, what, what's happening here? What, what, what's going to be different as a result of this? What, what are we going to achieve? Now, is it going to change anything? You know, what, what are we going to measure this? What's what success going to look like? And who's going to be blamed if, if none of this changes, mm. you know, and, and, and then set, setting out those concerns and actually being honest and, and upfront with, with senior people who, who are the establishment and who are, have done this and this is their expectation and, and this is what they want. And you're the training guy, right? So just, just get on and, and sort of do that, get that sorted out, you know, whatever mm. level that might be. Um, and I think actually selling these, these changes and this different mindset, it's, it's, not, it's not being easy and it, it's, it's, it's a journey. Uh, yeah. And I think I think I'm still on that journey, and I think I'm making progress uh, on that journey. But but as I said, it's it's been quite um, an opportunity to try things out here uh, as well. So perhaps there's a bit more responsiveness to being able to trial some of those things out here, even though I've, mm. I've been met with some resistance on well, you know, my, is it just another fad type thing? And it's like, well, no, it's, it's not. And then actually being able to to, to set out the reasons why. And moving and for me, in terms of my own practice, how it's evolved, I think it's it's, it's kind of being resistant to taking those orders anymore. Yeah. Even even now, you know, let, let, let's not kid ourselves. If your senior team tell you you've got to do something, you can't say no, but you can offer no. an alternative way of doing things as well if it's backed up with evidence as well. So it's about consulting with the business more and my stakeholders, mm. understanding the business more, getting out there in and amongst the teams and the people and actually mm. learning about where, as you say, those pinch points and those needs are. Um, find out what's actually stopping them doing the jobs, you know, uh, understanding that, what's, what can remove blockers. Yeah. Um, but it's also, I guess, from us, what, what's what's the different perspective from, from our organisation is we're a time-bound organisation as well. So much like myself, everyone else are on temporary contracts as well. So as well as obviously the, the the performance side, there's also the capability side as well about making sure that everybody that's here gets that support to make sure that they're ready for their next roles as well. And what mm. does that look like and what skills do people need, you know? And don't underestimate, as I'm sure you don't, the soft skills side of things as well, Yeah, you know? Um, but again, it's not just adopting 
uh, and I'm as guilty as this as anyone else, a finger in the air approach as to, well, these these are probably be good, right? I can go out and curate loads of useful data on this because I think this will be good for you. It's mm-hmm. actually about having those conversations and finding out that, that data and, and, and realizing that that qualitative data is just as good as that quantitative data as well. And, and also try spelling that when you're dyslexic. <laughs> um, what what I'm hearing from you, Mike, is that this is this is um, this has started with you with the with the initial conversations. Uh, it's I want to be careful here not to overgeneralize or oversimplify because I know that L and D practitioners do question and challenge. Well, even you know, from it, if it can come from the most senior stakeholders when they say, "I want training," I know a lot of L and D don't get the notepads out and say. You know what? How long would you like it? What would you like included? You know, there is rigor around what it is you want that to do, mm. but what it seems, what I'm hearing from you is that that not taking that order means actually having conversations about what what is expected to be different, both in terms of the performance and results, and not taking it from the management and leaders, actually getting down and understanding that from the user's perspective, so that you are designing yeah. solutions then that appeal to what it is that they're trying to do and what they're not able to do efficiently. So it's not an educational program. Oh, no, it is a performance-focused um, solution. Yeah. And I'm also not hearing from you that you're, that you're anti-classroom. What, no, what, what, no, I'm what I'm I'd love to know a little bit about the types of solutions then that you that you have applied with this new way that that perhaps can um that that can resonate with the listener. Yeah, and and I know um that there's mixed views on on classroom based. I'm not against face to face um you know uh, sessions interventions in, in in any way, but I am against doing them for the sake of doing them. Mm. I think there has to be real real value and purpose in in. in and you have to kind of back that up and do your research first of all and actually find out the, the real core reasons of why why you're doing that as well but mm. it's you know we, we 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 have adopted a real sort of blended um approach to doing things in 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 in, in my organization for sure and we you know it, it could be that we but because we're so dispersed face to face doesn't always work well for us either um yeah so it could be we we do um like virtual things it could be also that we don't actually need to do that at all. It could be that we just need to do some 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 new content resources, or mm-hmm. whatever that m- might be. So we don't rule anything out, um, but it's just finding what that right solution might be. Um, yeah. But making sure that it's going to actually add some incredible benefit um, mm-hmm. to it as well. So yeah, I mean we 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 look at all options to in terms of you know what what interventions we might want to consider. Um, we're, we're currently looking at um, our options for the first six months in in 2020 as well, but we don't mm. we don't come down heavy with content on people either. Because we don't, I don't feel that's the right approach either. Um, yeah. You know, and we work closely with the business, with the the experts out in the business as well, to work in partnership and collaboration with them. So it has real value. So I'm not stood up on stage talking to people about. Um, introducing people to project management techniques or something like that because I'm not an expert. I know a little bit around that about the fringes. Of I could go and create loads of stuff and pretend I know what I'm talking about there. But yeah. no, I'd, I'd bring in actually subject matter experts who work in the business and actually talk about that and give people because what, what happens is generally if you say to people, okay, so you want to do um, a qualification beyond the beyond when you leave this organization, what would you like to do? You know what the first thing people tend to say is. 
Prince that? 2. Yeah. Everybody <laughs> wants to do PMP, Prince, yeah. Prince yeah. 2. But it's actually then delving underneath that, isn't it? And actually, yeah. well, well, why do you want to do Prince 2? Yeah. You know, it does is that actually going to add any benefit to, to us to fund that and pay for that? And to, to you, actually, as an end user, what benefit is that going to be to you? If you're not actually doing project management type work when you when you leave this organization it's just something that's on your cv it's not actually going to do anything to to help you at all so we what we'd actually do then is look to we're looking at designing some interventions with our sort of pmo office around giving people an introduction to what actually the the the, the methodologies and things around prince 2 are and flavor of prince 2 but actually then it's prince 2 right for you but if not is some other resources that you could use within that are around project management and things like that. It's actually yeah. real sort of value-based interventions for people. And we know that people want to know about project management because we've done the analysis and we've asked people about that. And that's what comes back, you know, loudly that people want to kind of learn more about project management things. But it's understanding that that just doesn't mean let's just send everybody on a Prince 2 training. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which we know can be largely ineffective and wasteful as well, because yeah, and as, you, as you're yeah as you're describing there, if you can understand what it is that people are trying to do or what they're not able to do, you are likely to find within the context of your organisation and the expected and rewarded behaviours in the context of say uh, project management, there are going to be some things that just need doing yeah. in the way that the organisation expects and and requires. Yeah. Now, has, has there been so? You're shifting the types of conversations that you're having in your organization and the types yeah. of solutions. Um, how are you bringing people along with you? And have you really had to uh, convince people, especially, say, your, your end users, your, your employees, that, that you're not just taking stuff away, you're giving them something more valuable? Yeah, so I think, I think you're talking about um, there around resistance and things, perhaps, aren't you? Mm. What resistance we might have... Um, encountered so i think just before this call i've had with you david actually so i was speaking to a senior manager out in our um information management team who is really kind of uh, supportive of, of of learning and development uh, which which is great so we've got a real ally uh, there uh, and he's gone as far as actually developing um a learning strategy for his team as well and um, with, with mm. support with some guidance and support from us uh, which is music to my ears by the way um but I've helped him understand that it's not just, you know, it's not just about making statements. It's actually about being able to demonstrate impact and, and outputs as well. So we got into a conversation about all, all of that and kind of how you're going to measure that, you know, what's your barometers for success on that and how you're going to kind of evidence that and, you know, what, what are you going to use that data then to tell that story that this has actually been a success and it's not just being a kind of, this is great, look, we're actually doing things around learning and development. We've got a strategy. Okay, well, so what? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So we, we, we're working closely, and that's kind of one of the successes that we've seen. But that's not that's not come overnight. You know, I'm I'm not going to say that. I'd, I'd be disingenuous to say that. Oh, yeah, they, I've just come in and everything's been great. Everybody's come on board. Uh, it's not. I think it's taken time. Uh, mm. I, I think the business has warmed to to the way of doing things over time. Um, and I think there's been resistance from, from, from within the team, from within my own team, um, because again, it's, it's, it's a big shift, isn't it? It's a big change. Um, yeah. and I think perhaps, and I've got multiple views on this as well, but because our L and D function sits within HR as well, but that's another debate, whether HR should sit within 
whether LD should sit within HR or whether it should sit mm. within the business. I think it's best served sitting in the business because that's where, where where the real issues are that they're kind of tackling, aren't they? So mm. I think I think perhaps I've been seen maybe as a little bit aloof with some sort of crazy L and D ideas out there, and you know, uh, and why can't I just get on with things and just just deliver some training? You know, what mm. what is all this kind of thing? You know, yeah. Uh, and, and that's taken time to actually convince people that it's not just loads of sort of crazy ideas and, you know, it's, I'm, not, I'm not just being aloof about this. There's actually some real benefit about what mm. I'm saying and, and why I'm trying to, to do the things that I'm trying to do. I think I think we've had some some real victories as well in terms of sort of cultural change. Uh, and again, culture takes a long time to change, doesn't it? But, you know, yeah. we, we, are, we are seeing some evidence of that changing now. And we've, we've had a big push on self-directed learning. Um, so encouraging people to take ownership of their own learning and development as well. We've mm-hmm. developed and delivered our own bespoke learning and well-being hubs as well, which kind of sit uh, quite separately from from our LMS um, system, which I'm not a fan like you of LMS. Uh, I think mm-hmm. for, for us, it's a huge, especially in the civil service, it's a huge beast of an LMS mm-hmm. uh, full of lots of content uh, and lovely sterile compliance training. Um, but for that purpose, we, we made the decision in-house to develop our own platform yeah. um, for, for both learning um, and for well-being as well. We've introduced what, what a learning philosophy is all around. We didn't have any such thing as a, an L&D policy in place. So we've brought things like that into place so people actually understand you know, what, what it is we're doing and why we're doing it. So we've actually set out what our mission statement is as well around learning and development. We've, mm-hmm. we've done a huge educational, uh, I say educational, and in educational I mean just, just mindsets around 70, 20, 10. And actually what does, does that mean to people? What, how does that have any benefits? What does it mean to the business? And basically, you know, learning it is learning in the flow of work and not taking people away from what they're doing to attend pointless learning interventions. Mm. Um, and, and, and we've introduced peer-to-peer learning, um, we were introduced networks of learning champions successfully, uh, and we're also now integrating ourselves more and more into the business. So attending team meetings, talking to our actual users, you know, mm. what, what's important and, and why and how can we add value. But, but this is not a quick process. It's, 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 it's a slow burner that's take, taken time. And with that can come frustration because on top of that, you've got your senior team that wants immediate results and delivery. Yeah. So I've had that balance of, you know, give me time. I need time to be able to do this. I'm not going to be able to make it happen. But we want things delivered. You know, so it's that constant, yeah. that constant fight against delivery versus actually, well, you know, real change takes time, and this is what we're doing. And these are the impacts that we're seeing. So that that has taken time. That's taken me the best part of 18 months and many lessons learned along that mm. way as well. To be honest with you. And that's leadership, Mike. And uh, we, you know, this is something we advocate for employees, for anybody attending our programs, that you need self-leadership and we need to lead the organization towards change. And it isn't just a case of saying to people, don't you worry about the training courses that you and uh, the teams are expecting. I've got something that's going to work better, but I just need more time. You know, that's that's not leadership. That's, you know, that's 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 resisting on our part that's big that could be seen as as you said uh, aloof or stuck in the mud and not willing to listen what we need to do is we need to uh, to create a different vision of learning and development and yeah. have different types of conversations bring people with us and as as you'd mentioned before there are there are battles that we need to fight 
um, and some that we need to to just exceed um, and, um, and and do what's what we're what we're asked to. But again, leadership over a period of time means that you will evolve. Yeah. Uh, your uh, your practice and then the uh, the success of your function. But yeah. going back to the revolution, uh, Mike, mm-hmm. um, of course, it's it's one thing to do this uh, and believe in certain ways of thinking and, and practice within ourselves and, mm-hmm. and share these amongst our teams and our stakeholders. Mm-hmm. But there is, and I have, I've seen resistance from within our profession, especially those mm-hmm. who prefer and are highly skilled in more traditional and ingrained approaches. You know, you're, you're a man who's publishing more and more on LinkedIn on your thoughts. You must have seen and had reactions. I yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I'm already getting, uh, let's call them alternative views. Um, mm-hmm. who, who don't agree with me, but that's fine. That's that's all about what a debate's about as well, isn't it? And, and to change mm. mindsets, you need to have that open debate as well. You need to kind of bring people with you that don't agree with you as well. And the yeah. only way that you can do that is by debating that out, actually, you know, actually explaining why you're doing it and what the benefits are and why we don't need to continue doing what we've always done. But mm. yeah, you know, again, yeah, I've seen lots of resistance. Um, from from the establishment, um, what I call them, so the 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 hardcore element of LND as well, who are kind of that that is the way that they've done it, and they don't want to change. And for them, that works. You know, they're mm-hmm. they're hardcore, uh, and it's protectionism, isn't it? They're keen to protect their patch yeah. and what they what they know. But I think the message that I want to put out is that nobody's saying that there's no place for for everyone in this. That there yeah. is a, there is room for everybody in this trainers, um, content designers, deliverers. We, we've all got a role in this, heads of L&D, you know, mm-hmm. from strategy to ops delivery. Everybody is involved. We are a profession. Um, and it's about, though, understanding that we need to do the right things at the right time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and we need to support any kind of interventions with, with evidence and, and, and data. Uh, yeah. and, and why? And what those outcomes are going to are going to look like, and be able to really demonstrate that. And I think going back to my point, it's about it's about that fear of the unknown and defending positions. But for for me, and you know, I'm not going to probably get I'm going to probably turn a lot of people away from me for that for saying this. But that's just a nonsense. Um, we are in the same boat. Uh, it's about, I guess, it's not self protectionism, but it's looking after our own interests as as a. Yeah as a profession and, and like we said at the beginning of the show david if we don't do this someone else will do it so we really yeah. need to collectively get get our acts together and come together on this um i'd even go as far as saying you know why are l and od still two different beasts you know mm-hmm. there's a huge pool of talented resource there that we can pull together we share many common traits and challenges you know why are we so disparate um as, as a profession and, and as functions as well and you know we have got a lot more in common than than our, than our differences. So it's about looking at what the end goal is, and and, and, and as you said constantly in the show, it's about performance, business outcomes, and mm-hmm. organisational capability. So you know we talk about using a marketing mindset, don't we, quite a lot now in yeah. in, in L&D as well. Which yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that as well. And but you know if, we, if we're really going to subscribe to that in marketing if, if they knew something needed to change if they knew something needed a rebrand they'd just do it right mm. but we we don't we, we're kind of still sticking with with what we've got and if, if we kind of still 
punching the same message and selling ourselves as a particular kind of brand. And I talk about that as is like, for example, you know, learning. Well, no, we're we're not learning. We're not educators. We're not teachers. Yeah. You know, we're we're performance people. It's about performance and capabilities, and and that's mm. where we need to be. And I know you've talked about it in one of your other previous shows as well. How we 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 moved from sort of the the training uh, monocle to 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 learning. I mean, yeah, well, we need to move again. There needs to be another shift and we can bring other people yeah. along and we can unite and actually get us all together as it, it, within our profession. And I know the as well, and I think bring OD along and shake off those learning shackles. Because like I said, I'm not a teacher. I don't go into to try to educate and teach people about things. That's not what I'm about. It's not why I'm in this profession. We're in the business of helping the business, you know, and we're, we're in the business of improving performance outcomes. And, and that's where we'll be able to, Define and demonstrate our value. Yeah, I'm with you, Mike. And I think that uh, the two other things uh, that strike me. Uh, number one is uh, we have to stop being so entrenched in our preferred and skilled method of delivering our craft. We've got it. We can't just say that that face to face is better. I don't understand digital, or um, digital only has a certain place in supplementing what we do. What we need to do is we need to put our arms around the entire profession. Yeah. And then the second part is ask ourselves how equipped we are actually to um, to both have the right conversations, to uh, to uh, develop the solutions then that are fit for purpose in order to move the needle as far as performance and results are concerned. Take a look at the Towards Maturity reports, the benchmark reports that show just how deficient we are as a practice yeah. in some yeah. of the most uh, key and, and now which are fundamental areas yeah. of, of learning and development. Stop, yeah. d stop a divide and conquer. We have to put our arms around the whole thing and, and make, the ch make those changes first from within ourselves. You're right. We need to come together. I mean, we're a big profession, right? We've got mm. a lot of skills, a lot of talent in our profession, you know. We, we focus so much on supporting others. What about supporting ourselves? Yeah. You know? I think that's a, that's a, that's a great rallying cry. Uh, Mike, if, uh, if people want to follow your posts and, uh, and therefore join the revolution, uh, how can they do so and how can they connect? So, yeah, I mean, I do most of my activities, as you know, on, on LinkedIn. I kind of lurk around there and I've started being quite active in terms of posting now. So you can find me on LinkedIn at uh, just Mike Bedford. Uh, and, yeah, just come along and, and join. I do have a Twitter account. Um, but I don't, I'm not really active on there if I'm being honest with you. So the best place to get hold of me is on, is on LinkedIn and yeah, I'll, I'll always uh, chat, share and, and debate on there. Wonderful. And we'll put uh, links in the show notes as well. Uh, but Mike, thanks for, very much for being a guest on the Learning and Development Podcast. Thanks very much for having me. Mike is clearly passionate about the changes he sees are necessary in L&D and I agree with him how we perceive our value, what we expect of our practice, what we ultimately do, and how we lead others to bring them with us all needs to change. And it's an exciting time to be in L&D. If you'd like to get in touch with me, perhaps to suggest topics you'd like to hear discussed, you can tweet me at David in Learning, connect on LinkedIn or Facebook, for which you'll find the links in the show notes. Goodbye for now. <laughs>